0: today's message from Harvest Church of God. God does not want you bound by anything. God does not want you fettered. God does not want you beat down. God does not want you cowed down. God wants you to be a good representative of what He can do in a person's life if they'll let the Lord have His way with them. You stop that because God said, I don't want you wearing my advertisement around us. God's people and acting like a devil if you're a believer you believe that God has put your sin behind his back you believe that your name is in the Lamb's book of life you believe that Jesus Christ is coming when the trumpet sounds to you that believe Jesus is precious he came to this earth to purchase Redemption for us. And He came to this earth to be the propitiation for our sin. That we could know God. That the sin issue could be taken care of, taken out of the way. And God said, I will put it behind me. put the whole issue of sin and disobedience and rebellion, God said, I will put it behind me. I will cast it behind me. Isn't that a wonderful thing for you to know today that your sin has been cast behind God's back? And he said, and I will remember it no more. Praise God. I I wish we could have that kind of forgiveness with one another, that you would remember it no more. Sometimes I hear people say, I'll forgive you, but I won't forget it. Well, I'm glad that God not only forgives, He also forgets. And puts it away. I will remember that sin no more. I'm glad God deals with sin in such a permanent fashion that it doesn't exist anymore after God deals with it. Old timers used to say, under the blood. When you get it under the blood, then you've got it away. God says, I have dealt with it and put it away from me. I will remember that sin no more. We've been on a journey Uh, Since first of the year, what started out as a New Year's sermon and message became somewhat of a series that we've been talking about transformation. Be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We found out that in our mind is the center of our affection. It's the center. It's really where the battle is fought, is basically in our mind. Paul said, with my members... I serve the law of sin, but with my mind, I serve the law of the Spirit. And then he said, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And then he said, I thank God through Christ Jesus. There remaineth therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit, For now we've seen this journey take us to a place where we understand completely that Jesus was made to be sin for us, that he vicariously and substitutionarily took our place at Calvary's cross. They used to sing a song when I was a young evangelist, I Should Have Been Crucified. It's an Andre Crouch song, and I dated myself by telling you I knew who Andre Crouch was. I should have been crucified. I should have suffered and died. I should have hung on the cross in disgrace. But Jesus, God's son, took my place. I should have been crucified because he became the propitiation and he became the justification of our faith. Then the Bible tells us that we have a door of entrance into the presence of God that was not enjoyed by believers before Jesus tore the veil hallelujah from top to bottom so that we can experience God and for our own selves don't have to send a person we can go ourselves boldly before the throne of grace and obtain help grace to help in time of need so this thing of being positionally in Christ means that we are our life is hid with God in Christ It means that we abide in Him. Is anyone familiar with that term, abiding in Christ? Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then ask whatever you want, whatever you will, and it shall be given you. If. Oh, boy, what a big word with only two letters. If you abide in me, letting you know that's a choice. It's a decision that you make. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. Notice how powerful that is. The word of God. If my word abide in you, you and me, my word in you then you can pray successfully and you can get the things that you pray for when you have the Word of God operating in your life and you're abiding in what Jesus did at Calvary's cross. Now that's some pretty good theology there, but it's actually the basis upon which we stand. Well, Pastor, how can I know that I am abiding in Christ? 1 John 2 and 5. Whoso keepeth his word. Well, what an excellent admonishment that is. Whoso keepeth his word in him, verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. You mean I can know that I'm in Christ? You can know so well that you don't have to leave here in doubt today. You don't have to wander. You don't have to go to bed and then ponder that question. Is everything all right between me and God? How do I do that? It's all about your relationship to the Word of God. Whoso keepeth his Word, in him verily is the love of God perfected or made complete or made full and consummated. In him, verily, is the word of God perfected hereby. Or in other words, by doing that, hereby know we that we are in him. Boy, that's so powerful. In 2 Timothy 1 and 9, the Bible tells us that we were called with a holy calling. Called with a holy calling. Not according to our works not according to our deeds, not according to the benevolence, not according to all the other services that would render us a child of God, but not according to any of those works, but according to His mercy hath He saved us by the washing of regeneration and by the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Boy, we brought a lot of agents into that equation then, didn't we? Not by works of righteousness, which I have done, but according to His mercy. We brought God in then. According to His mercy, by the washing of regeneration and by the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Now we brought the Holy Ghost into the thing. So now we've got man, God, Holy Ghost. Jesus, and when you... Take that mixture, that theological mixture and the chemistry of it, and you put together that equation, you come out with new life in Christ. God, Holy Ghost, Word, Jesus, me, and you come out with success. You successfully entered into the kingdom of God. Now, when God found Abraham, he found an idle totem heathen in Ur of the Chaldees, what is now Iran, Babylon. God found him when he was degenerate, lost, undone without God. And God found him and God made a a promise to him. It's in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, if you'd like to read it with me. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing I will bless those who bless you I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt and all of the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you why did God choose Abraham I don't know other than it was in the eternal purpose of God eternal purpose of God eternal purpose of God now, you love to quote that verse in 828 Romans, don't you? All things work together for good to them that love the Lord, who are the called according to His purpose, which was given to us in Christ Jesus. Boy, that verse is chopped full, isn't it? All things all things, good things, bad things, rich things, poor things, healthy things, sick things, all things, empty, full, whatever, all things. Just wrap your whole self around the whole idea, complete all things, good, bad, and ugly. All things, work together, chemistry's going on here, you see it, works together. Everything that's happened to you is working together. All the hurt, all the sorrow, all the disappointment, all the things you've been through is part of the mix. It's in the chemistry. That pay raise you got, that check, stimulus check you got, is some of them good things. It's in the chemistry. And all of those things are mixed together and all of them are working, working together. All things work together. How do they work? Together. One depends on the other. You can't have the result unless you have the complete mix. And that's why you can say, in the bad times, do the same. Good times praise His name. Bad times do the same because they're part of the mix. And though they don't seem to be worth anything, they're working together. Though it was hurtful when it happened. It's like Joseph said to the brethren, you meant it as evil unto me, but God took your evil deed and turned it into something good for me. You meant to hurt, you meant to kill, you meant to destroy. But God took your intent and changed it into something that could be used for His glory and His honor. And for you it works out good because now I'm your Savior. You wanted to kill me, you wanted to destroy me, you wanted to do away with me. But as it turns out, I'm the one that's saving your life. So you can boldly say, you can boldly say, the Lord is my help. The Lord is my light. The Lord is my salvation. The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I fear or of what shall I be afraid? The Lord is my rock and my salvation. Praise God. Boldly say, God said, I'm going to make you a great nation and everybody on the earth is going to be blessed through you. How in the world is that going to happen? Did God love Abraham more than he loved the rest of the people? No. God's love is unconditional. God just chose a floor model to put on display so that the nations of the earth could see how good and blessed it is when nations serve the Lord. When he said, I will make of you a great nation, he was saying to him, I'm going to multiply you. I'm going to multiply your seed as the sand of the heaven as the stars are in the sky. You'll be without number. And he said, I'm going to make of you a great, great nation, and everybody is going to be blessed. You're carrying around in your loins, he says, my gift of redemption and salvation for the world. Before Abraham could even understand what all of that meant, God called him to go to a land that I will show you. Go to a land of promise. Go to a place. In Genesis 15, the Lord broke some news to him. Listen to what God said to him in Genesis 15. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know this for certain. Your offspring and will be resident aliens for 400 years. Your offspring, your children will be resident aliens for 400 years. What was he talking about? He was talking about a time when they would be enslaved, when they would be captured and controlled by a a wicked pharaoh in a place called Egypt. In a land that does not belong to them and will be enslaved and oppressed. However, aren't you glad there's some however's? God gives him the bad news, and then he gives him the however. Yes, you're going to go down into Egypt. Yes, there's going to be oppression. Yes, there's going to be slavery. Yes, there's going to be hard work. Yes, it's going to be bondage. However, I will judge that nation they serve, and afterward they will go out with many possessions. And for you, Abraham, you will go to your fathers in peace, be buried in a good old age. In the fourth generation they will return here, for the iniquity of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. In other words, their wickedness has not been complete, and I won't send judgment until their wickedness is completed. In other words, God will not be an unjust God. He'll get all the information before he... Let's the punishment come. After God delivered the nation of Israel from Egyptians' bondage, God got them out of Israel, he couldn't get got them out of Egypt, he couldn't get Egypt out of them. It was one thing to get them out of Egypt, it was another thing to get Egypt out of them because they learned about some strange gods and they learned about some different religions and they learned about some worship that God could never, ever tolerate. In fact, in Exodus chapter 19, verse 5 and 6, Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples of the earth. For the earth, all of the earth, is mine. God said, all of it is mine. Well, my little part I bought over there on Dexter Avenue and the 309 hemp hill, that's mine. I've got it recorded, done it. Well, I got news for you. God got it before you. God owns it before you. All of the earth is mine and you shall be to me, listen to this, you will be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Now that's Old Testament. Now that God has changed that nation through all of those times of, of war with the Amorites and the Hittites and the Parasites and the termites and all the mites, that were in that land, God led them up to it. But he said to them, you'll have to drive the aliens out. This is yours. It belongs to you. But I expect you to go in and take the possession. Possess the possession. I wonder sometimes if God's church has really fully understood that God wants you to possess the possession. That souls that are claimed by our adversary, the devil... The Lord wants us to bring a message of salvation and redemption that will free people from the enslavery of our adversary, the devil. God wants to use church and wants to use people in churches to reach lost people that they can break their fetters and lose their chains and find freedom in the Lord Jesus. That, folks, is the first step that this church ministers to for everybody. First, that you find freedom. Can anybody say find freedom? Find freedom. If a person walks in that door and doesn't know Jesus, the first thing that can happen is find freedom. If a person comes in that door that is bound, oppressed, tormented, the first thing that can happen for them is to find freedom for people who are laden with sin. Find freedom. For those that don't know God, find freedom. The first step for everybody on your quest to know God is to first find freedom. Because God does not want you bound by anything. God does not want you fettered. God does not want you beat down. God does not want you cowed down. God wants you to be a good representative of what he can do in a person's life if they'll let the Lord have his way with them. Hallelujah. Now that's positional righteousness. How does God then expect us? Well, you know, they got to that Mount called Sinai. And God said, bring the people to the Mount. I want to meet with my people. I want them to worship. I want to have an encounter with them. And the Bible said they got to the Mount, but the Mount was so powerfully charged with lightning and thundering. And the Bible said, and the people backed down from the mountain back down here's where we first find this notion of priesthood and the elders and the leaders of Israel said to Moses you go up and meet with God in our place you go and represent us to God he is too awesome he is too powerful He is too sovereign. No man can stand in his presence. We can't go there. But you go for us. And then come back to us and tell us what he says. So Moses went to the mount and met with God. And the Bible said, And the finger of God wrote the commandments. In other words, I freed you from bondage. I've got you out of Egypt. The sin issue's taken care of. Now you need to know how to live. Because you don't live like you used to live when you get in relationship with God. You don't behave. You don't converse the way you used to converse. Come on, you used to shout at that kind of preaching. You change your ways. Liars quit lying, drunkards quit drinking. Drug addicts quit uh, taking drugs. Mean-spirited people stop being mean-spirited. People that are abusive, they stop being abusive. People that curse and use foul language. You stop using foul language. You stop, stop telling smutty jokes. You stop dealing in, in the vulgar, licentious things of the, of the world. You stop that because God said, I don't want you wearing my advertisement around as God's people. And acting like a devil. So Moses goes up and he gets these lists. And it starts out, thou shalt not. Don't have any other gods. Somebody say any other gods. Don't have any other gods before me. What is a God? It's the object of your worship. You know, if you listen to a man talk, you'll find out what his God is. If you'll listen to a woman talk, you'll find out who her God is. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And as a man thinketh in his heart, so is He? It got quiet in this house, all of a sudden done. When God is first and foremost in your life, He dominates your thoughts. He dominates your talks. He dominates your walk. Now, I don't use dominate in a terrible way. Effect would be a good word. Because when God is manifested through a person's life, you've heard the term, he's a godly person. She's a godly woman. And I want to tell you, there are some godly people. I said, there are some godly people. When I walked out from Dot Crumbly's house over there in Alexandria, Carlos, the last time I visited with her before she passed, I walked out and I told Carlos and Deborah, that's a godly woman. That's a godly woman. There are many people that God has given me the great privilege of pastoring over these many, many years, godly people. I would call a saint of God. A saint of God. People that love God. Love their family, love their church that sacrificed for church and sacrificed for for family. They did everything they could to advance the cause of God. They were dependable, they were faithful. And God is saying, I want those kind of folks to wear my, my label around God's people saved, born again, spirit filled. Amen. God said, I want you to behave. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't be an adulterer. Don't bear false witness. Don't thrive on gossip and innuendo and malice and evil speaking and backbiting. God said, don't do that. Don't act like that. My people, he said, should not act like that. The greatest damage that can be done to the church of the living God as when we let the things of the world and the way the world does things and the way the world acts come in and dominate us and become the way we do. It's called culture. When culture overpowers church, then church no longer, it ceases to be God's people. Yes, you can still have a building. Yes, you can still Send your cooperative off. Yes, you can have the title, Church of God. But God said to a prophet one time, he said, my people serve me and worship me from a distance. They serve me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And their worship, he said, is according to the rules of men. Rules of men? And worship? We know that don't work. You see, you can become so perfunctory at how you do worship that you become so familiar with its form that you begin to think we don't need its power. And when you have a form of godliness but deny the power, then God says, I will spew you out of my mouth because you profess something you don't have and you pretend to be something you aren't. I want to tell you there's a reality in knowing God, and God is saying in these last days, especially done these Pandemic times. He's looking for a people that will be authentic and be genuine, that will be truthful in their relation. First Peter 2, 5 through 10. Wherefore laying aside all malice. What is malice? Anger. Anger. In clinical psychology, when I was doing my degree work, Anger is a fierce master. When you are mastered by anger, no good can come of it. Some people live their whole lives and never master their anger. Some people go through marriage after marriage business after business, different ventures of all kinds, always seeking for something that'll give peace and can never find peace. The Bible said they'll cry peace and safety, but sudden destruction cometh upon them. Is it possible that that people are so miserable under that, that siege of anger and clamor, but he simply says here, wherefore laying aside all of your anger, And all of your guile, what is guile? Filthy communication. Guile. The Bible said Jesus was made to be sin for us who knew no sin, neither was there any guile found in his mouth. And he says here, laying aside all malice and all guile, all evil speaking, all hypocrisies and all envies, as newborn babes, just like a person just got introduced to this world, As a newborn babe, desire the sincere milk of the Word that ye may grow thereby. Then the the energy level is determined by how much of the Word of God we can absorb, digest, and employ in our relationship with God. Have you ever heard a message and was convicted and said, that's what I need to do? And you went home to your prayer closet and said, God, with your help, I'll be that way and I'll walk that way and I'll put that into my heart and life. That's when the Word abides in you. It's when the Word of God becomes more than just ink and parchment paper when the Word of God becomes what you believe I said when it becomes what you believe you see there comes a time in your faith walk that you've got to determine what am I going to believe about this am I going to take God's Word though it is contradicted by man's opinion Which will I believe? Whose report will I believe? We shall believe the report of the Lord, the Bible said. Will you believe the report of the Lord when, when push comes to shove and you're pressed on that issue? You see, what I believe in my heart means so much to me that I can't act opposite to what I believe my belief system will not let me do those things that he's saying we should lay aside listen to verse 3 if so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious to whom coming is under a living stone disallowed indeed of men Jesus but chosen of God and precious you also like Jesus are lively stones And you're built up into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus. Wherefore also it is contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect and precious. He that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe, Am I talking to anyone who believes? Unto you, therefore, who believe. Unto you who believe God can heal your sick body. Unto you who believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He died on a cross, shed His blood, and your sins are covered and made Nothing because of what Jesus did at Calvary's Cross. If you're a believer, you believe that God has put your sin behind his back. You believe that your name is in the Lamb's book of life. You believe that Jesus Christ is coming when the trumpet sounds. To you that believe, Jesus is precious. (laughs) Glory to God then how I act and the way I talk and the way I do relationships reveals how I really feel about Jesus Amen. to people who believe He's precious. He's precious. Seven, unto you therefore which believe He is precious, but unto them which be you disobedient, that stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them that stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But you, but you are a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. A royal priesthood. Notice those words. Royal has to do with kings, doesn't it? Debbie's always telling me what the royals are doing. I told her one day, well, I'm royal too. She said, you're not royal. I said, yes, I am. I'm a royal priesthood. You're a royal priesthood. You are a kingly priest. A royal, that's kings. Priesthood, that's priest. So kings have what? authority?" What do priests do? They go to God for people. They hear from God. They get the Word. They put the Word in their heart. Hereby know we that we're in Him. They've got this relationship with God. The Word abides. And so they have authority. They walk in authority. They don't walk in timidity and cowardice. They walk in authority, knowing in whom they have believed and that he is persuaded to keep that which we commit to him against that day, knowing that whatsoever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatsoever we loose on earth, it will be loosed in heaven. Are you walking in authority? Are you a royal priest today? Are you a person who has the authority of the name of Jesus in your life insomuch that you can go to God for people with authority? Wow. A royal priesthood a royal priesthood, and a holy nation. A holy nation. Somebody say a holy nation. All nations of the earth shall be blessed. But there is one nation that takes precedence over all other nations. Chad, Burma, Morocco, Soviet Union, France, Italy, United States, Australia, China, There's one that takes precedence over all of them. What is that? That holy nation. That nation of all the redeemed of God. That nation that one day will make up God's army. That nation that is high and above all other aspirations. Hallelujah. Someone may say, I'd like to be a citizen of that country. I'd like, hey, your greatest desire should be to be a citizen of that holy nation that is the people of God. For one day in an ordinary day, just like this day, that holy nation of God is going to leave this old world. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. A holy nation. A peculiar people. That doesn't mean weird. It means one of a kind. There is no other nation like God's nation. There are no people like God's people. There are no other greater force than God's people. God's people is the greatest thing that is upon the face of this earth. God's greatest treasure is in His people. And the Bible said, And in that day when I make up my jewels, saith the Lord, they shall be mine. God is saying, One day I'm going to fix this whole situation. Those that look for His appearing, those that are patiently waiting for His coming, those are the people that He will appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Wow. Whatever moral endeavors may take, may make, can never be more than a response to what God has already done. Like the Israelites, we've experienced an amazing change and a transformation. How many of you know Romans 5, 8? But God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Titus 3 and 3, not by works of righteousness, hath He saved us but by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. 1 Thessalonians 1, 5-10. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power. Paul said, I didn't come to preach to you with enticing words of man's wisdom, but my preaching and my ministry among you, he said, was in power and demonstration of the Spirit of God. That word... Paul says to the Thessalonians, that gospel that we preached, it did not come in word only, but it came with an anointing. It came with power. It came with grace. And in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men you were among for your sake, and ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Ghost. Put that up there for me. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word of God in much affliction. In other words, difficulty, trial, oppression. In other words, he's saying when you got the gospel, it was amidst a lot of turmoil that was going on. It was a lot of negative stuff going on. You became followers of the Lord and you received the Word in much affliction, but that Word had something about it that caused you to have peace and caused you to have joy. And that joy was because the Holy Ghost accompanied the Word of God. It anointed the Word of God whereby you're saved so that ye were examples to all that believe in Macedonia and Asia. In other words, he said, when I packed up my bags and I went to Macedonia, after that man woke me up, and gave me the Macedonian call and said, come on over and help us. I loaded up my satchel and I I put the scripts in there and put all my study notes in there, but I put some testimonies in there. A testimony about a man named Onesimus that was a slave runaway, but God changed his condition and made him useful in the kingdom of God. About a Saul of Tarsus, I got my own testimony in there. I was on my road to Damascus I carried letters to to persecute saints and arrest them and bring them back to Jerusalem but God struck me down with a great light and I said who are you Lord and he said I'm Jesus whom you persecute it's hard for you it's hard for you to kick against the pricks you are a thoroughbred Jewish Hebrew of the Hebrew Pharisee of the Pharisees and he said Lord what do you want me to do put my own testimony in there. I got that testimony of that Philippian jailer who ran in, drew his sword, would have killed himself, but I, I said, do yourself no harm. We're all here. And he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Hey, I brought the little testimony. I've got it in here of a centurion. And he was down in a, a, another part of the country, and Peter was on the rooftop praying. And the Bible said God spoke to that devout centurion and told him, you can be saved. You can take the word that you've read, and it can become reality. Send up to Joppa and find an apostle named, Name Peter and tell him come on down here and preach to you and the Bible said in Acts 10 while Peter yet spake these words the Holy Ghost fell on all them that heard the word I want to tell you he was armed with testimonies to give to the people of Asia about what God was doing Hallelujah. Have you got a testimony today? Do you have a testimony? The Bible said, be ready to give every man an answer concerning the hope that lies within you. Have you got your testimony ready? I said, have you got your testimony ready? That somebody that you meet with every day says, I'm so down and out, I'm so down, I don't know if I can ever get through this and that testimony of yours. You said, let me tell you my testimony. I used to be just like you felt just like you but i read one day that jesus was near unto people who are of a contrite spirit and a broken heart and i asked him to heal my broken heart and he healed my broken heart and he put joy unspeakable and peace without understanding in my heart have you got a testimony i said have you got a testimony Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Paul said, "I used you as an example. I told people in Asia what God did for you. I put you in my memory banks. Because when I start talking about salvation, I remember you." No wonder he said, "I, I often pray for you making mention of you in my at every remembrance of you I pray for you," he said my lord every time he remembered somebody he remembered their testimony every time he remembered somebody that could lift someone's spirits he remembered something god did for them something god did for are you armed and ready with the word of god are you ready to tell every person that inquires you that how they can find peace with god how they can find hope how they can find joy in the holy ghost for from you sounded out are you listening verse 8 From you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Asia, but also in every place. Your faith to Godward is spread abroad. Somebody's telling your story. I said somebody is telling your story. Somebody who knows you is telling your story. Amy, sometimes I'll tell your story. When I run into people that have situations like you had, I tell them your story. Glory to God. I tell them your story. I know your stories. I've pastored you 34 years. I know your stories. And I can tell your stories. I can tell your stories. And he said, you are an example. And he said, everybody in Macedonia and Asia, but also in every place, Your faith to Godward is spread abroad so that we need not to speak any more than what we tell them about you. Good night. Well, I got to quit. Come on, Olivia. But I'm not through a royal priesthood, authority. When you walk out of here, you lift your head. You're the chosen generation. You're the royal priesthood. You're the people of God. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Verse 10, this is where we all are. And to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised up from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come even Jesus who delivered us. Put one more up there for me and then we're going to go. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9. Stand with me. I feel God in this house. Sister Peggy, I feel God in this house like I felt him in Roanoke. He's up here too. I feel God in this house. When we get to heaven And we're gathered around the throne of God. All the redeemed of God, Brother Randy, on that great and notable day of the Lord. When we stand there, we're going to sing a song. You say, well, Pastor, I can't carry a tune in a syrup bucket. Well, there's coming a time when you are going to sing a song. And they sing a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to loose the seals thereof. For Thou wast slain. For Thou wast slain. For Thou wast slain. slain And hast redeemed us unto God by Thy own blood out of every kindred, every people, every language, every tongue, and nation, next verse, and hast made us and has made us and has made us has transfigured, translated, transformed, and has made us unto our God, kings and priests, and we shall reign with him upon the earth. Oh, blessed be God. I've heard about cloudless skies and about no goodbyes. I've heard about all that wonderful singing over there. I've heard about walking golden stairs and about having no more cares. I've heard about heaven and I... Want to go there? By the blood of Calvary's lamb, saved from every stain I am, hallelujah, I'll go sweeping through the gates. Oh, the joy of that glad meeting just inside the eastern gate. I intend to be there, don't you? I intend to be there. And he said, which now you're waiting, waiting and watching from heaven. Only the sound of the trumpet keeps me from going home. Because on an ordinary day just like this day, David, I wish you had your trumpet. I'd get you to blow it real loud for me. The trumpet will sound. And Forest Lone will have a convulsion. Graves will burst wide of sleeping saints. The Bible said, I saw many of them that slept in the dust of the earth, and they shall awake. They'll hear his voice, and they shall awake. Well, I hope you take from this encounter with God's word today this one thing as you go. I'm going to start acting like a priest. And I'm going to start acting like a king with authority. I'm going to start acting like a chosen generation. I'm going to start acting like the people of God. I'm going to start acting like what God says I am. I can be what God says I can be. I can do what God says I can do. Hallelujah. I can be whatever God says I can be. God, in Jesus' name, I thank you for this congregation. And in this present culture, I'm not permitted to put my hands on them and have contact with them. But your spirit that transcends all things, I feel reverberating through this congregation today from heart to heart, soul to soul, person to person. And I thank you for the joy of the Holy Ghost. I thank you for the peace of God that passes understanding and I thank you for this anointing that I feel upon this unworthy person to speak the Word of God. Go home with us now. And as we go out into the world, let us not just leave our experience here at this place. Help us, O oh Lord, to have the same experience in our homes, in our cars, on our jobs, where we are. That we're, we're not just restraining you to doing what you do here at this place but everywhere saints of God are present. I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would bring joy and peace. Dismiss us now from this place, but not your sight. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen.